What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast about the business of entertainment. This is Variety Deputy Music Editor, Jem Aswad. There's a good chance you've never heard the name Richard Goddard, but there's an equally good chance that if you're even a casual music fan, you've heard, streamed, or even purchased something that he's done. As a songwriter in the early 1960s, he co-wrote such classics as I Want Candy, My Boyfriend's Back, and Sorrow. As a producer, he oversaw classic albums by Blondie, The Go-Go's, Richard Hell, The Ravenettes, and The Dum-Dum Girls, among many others. He co-founded Sire Records in 1966 with Seymour Stein, and 30 years later, he co-founded The Orchard with Scott Cohen. Now owned by Sony Music, that company is one of the world's largest distributors of independent music. At 82 years old, Richard, who's originally from the Bronx, as you'll hear, still comes into the Orchard's East Village offices every day and continues to work as a producer, most recently recording new versions of a pair of songs he recorded with blues rock singer Jeffrey Gaines in the 80s. He re-recorded those songs to protest the recent overturning of Roe v. Wade and the sad state of gun control in the United States. Now, we didn't cover all of those topics in the conversation you're about to hear, but we covered a lot of them. So sit back and enjoy Strictly Business. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. 
The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Welcome back to Variety Strictly Business with Richard Goddard. Just to start off, what was the original idea and the original inspiration for starting this? Ah, well, like um, like all good things, they happen by accident. You know, you think that a person goes into a venture and says, I'm going to do this, and it's going to be the greatest thing in the world, and we're going to make so much money. Ah. We had a small record label. Uh, it was called Soul 3 Records. S-O-L, third planet from the sun, the earth. Corny, but true. And um, we had some artists that we had put out. Uh, distribution for independence in those days was not so, uh, was not so simple, you know. Um, and um, CDs and cassettes mostly at that stage, right? Vinyl was phasing uh, out? Vinyl, it was CDs mostly. Right. I would say CDs, Yeah. So um, we had some computers <laughs> before broadband, and we had a few people working there. You mentioned Daryl. Um, and we would go on the nascent internet and, um, and see if we could find somebody writing something about the type of music that our bands were making, and then we communicate with them. Blah, blah, blah. And we just go back and forth, and not a lot happened. However, we discovered that there were two record stores on the internet, and those record stores were Music Boulevard and a place called CD Now. 
not CD Baby, CD Now. Um, and uh, we contacted them. Of course, we needed outlets for our content. And um, we were told they couldn't take it um, because they weren't really record stores. They were virtual fronts that were supplied by a back-end supplier. What we realized then was that it was mostly major label content or labels that uh, already had a history. But independents had no opportunity to get onto these stores. So um, we found out who to contact, Scott Cohn and I. The company was started by myself and Scott Cohn. And um, we flew to Sacramento and had a meeting with them and told them that we would bring them all the independent music in the world that we had access to because we saw there was no independence on, on the stores. And, um, you know, they talked to us, but we're going to get to this later. They thought, oh, well, Richard, uh, that's a really good idea, but can you tell me what it was like at CBGB's? How, how, what, were, what was Blondie like? What were the Go-Go's like? Uh, I don't know, what was the Brew Building like? But we spent an hour or two talking about this, and the next thing was, Richard, you're one of us. We'll do this deal with you. And when did you guys start transitioning to streaming? So we started thinking digital. What could digital mean? And as we started digging in deeper and deeper and talking to people, we put a clause in the contract that said, um, we'll distribute your records to the internet stores, and you also give us the right to sell, store, and deliver your content digitally. Um, it worked out well. Um, by the time iTunes opened, this was four or five years before iTunes. We had about 150,000 tracks. So when we signed on to iTunes, we were among the largest suppliers initially. Were you one of the first, if not the first, to do that? I think so. Right. How did you transition from the model, once you established yourselves with downloading, how did you then transition to streaming? How was your company set up for that? Um, because physical product was not bringing in what it once was. Yeah. Downloads were plummeting in value. How did you transition to streaming? The thing about the orchard was, as long as an operation was legitimate, um, meaning the download, whatever organization was, we would associate with, as long as they could pay, because we were protecting our artists, not just running our our business, but protecting our artists. And when Spotify came along and and there was a formula for associating and paying per stream, some people think it's too little, some people think it's okay. You know, if you're um, a massive artist, it's okay. If you're a small artist, it's too little, mm -hmm. you know, but whatever. The thing is, we continued to use the vision that we had for the orchard in the beginning. Just keep your eyes open. What's in the process? Analyze it. Uh, if they're able to make music available in some form throughout the world, 
and sign an agreement and are legitimate and can pay so we can um, um, protect and pay the artists and labels that sign up with us. We're going to expand, expand, expand. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Let me ask you one more thing about about the business, though, because you mentioned BTS and and they've gone on to another label. Yeah. When you lose a big uh, client, I guess they would be a client. Uh, when you lose someone like that, does it hurt the company, or do you have enough content, and enough and enough other artists as it is, so that you just kind of absorb it? Yeah, we have enough content, and the truth is that the Orchard wasn't built on hits. Mm-hmm. Um, until, um, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. It's, it's wonderful. BTS for me, it's great. I, that, that they did great and I'm happy for them. I'm more amazed by the fact that people were singing along with them in Korean language. Okay. So, um, they move on. It's, it's business. That's all. We obviously, that's a, um, a bit of a loss of revenue, but our revenue was always constant from our catalog and from adding more labels um, and doing more and more things. And of course, like I said, there are others that sell, but um, no, I don't. I think the thing that makes the orchard really powerful is it. It succeeded. It was built on and succeeded on um, without the need to depend on that as your um, as your means of staying alive. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. one thing. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. I mean, I I I'm. It's a shame they left, but they obviously got a better deal. Let's go all the way back. How did you get your start in music? When did you, when did it first become clear that you were gifted with music or, or had a talent yeah, no, for it? I, I never thought I was gifted. Okay. 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 <laughs> but, but, okay. So, um, where it started, I go back, I tell these stories. I, I mean, obviously I was grown into the, I, I was born. I'm now, I may sound like I'm 35, but I'm not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit older. Um, but, uh, I was born into a generation after world war two, which, of course, the generation Z that we call today knows nothing about, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Um, you know, um, uh, but I was born into that. And the generation, that generation, as it came to its teenage years, um, America was the hero of the world then. So we were prosperous as hell. And radio was developing and a new musical feeling was coming and the mixture of cultures was coming. And um, there was a particular disc jockey in, in New York called, uh, he came from Cleveland, which is why the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is there, mm. um, Alan Freed. And I would listen on this newfangled thing called a transistor radio that my parents got me. I put it under my pillow. Hey, you sleeping, Richard? Yeah, yeah, I'm sleeping. But I'd be listening to Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters. He'd be playing. Uh, he he he's playing uh, things that I never heard. But but I did know a bit about it because I had been interested in jazz before. Benny Goodman, uh, uh, Glenn Miller, you know that kind of thing. 
I knew um, the ink spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so so I I had an inkling of doo-wop, and I would listen to all these things. And I had been a piano player. I had I had classical piano lessons, so I had a piano. So I would try to mimic it, mm-hmm. right? And then along comes Elvis Presley and a piano playing fool, Jerry Lee Lewis. Mm-hmm. So I say I can do that. And I'm writing songs on the piano. You know, and, and uh, I'm, uh, I lived on a, in an apartment that was on the slope of a hill. It was on the second floor, but I would leave the windows open. And one guy, one day a guy leans in the window and says, hey, kid, that's pretty good. So I said, oh, you shouldn't be looking at my window. He said, no, no, that's good. And he tells me his name. He was a songwriter from the Tin Pan Alley days. Mm -hmm. For me, an older guy, for all I knew, he could have been 30. Mm -hmm. He probably was 50, but I don't know. But, But the point is, he says, would you like to make a record? I think I can get something going for you. So I said, I have to ask my father. And I went through this and we met him and everything. And it was my first experience. I went down to the Brill Building and I met some people. And um, I'm trying to think if we, we made some demos. Mm-hmm. Uh, how nothing how old were you? I must have been 14 or 15. 14. Yeah, okay. 15. Wow. But by the time I was 16, I was playing the piano, writing, playing. I learned to play Boogie Woogie and... and uh, Played the St. Louis Blues. W.C. Handy was my idol, you know. Um, and I, I, stu- I actually studied all this stuff. And I write a song named after the song that I loved to Jerry Lee Lewis, Great Balls of Fire. My song was called I'm on Fire. And um, to get it done, so I'm telling you this just now, so let's put that to the side. So I write the song. And I put it to the side. Later on, I go to college. I forget all this rock and roll crap, you know, because I get back into jazz because I'm becoming intellectual, learned, a learned man. And I forget this rock and roll crap until I'm sitting there like with you. We're sitting here talking. I'm having lunch and some guy comes over to me and says, I want to introduce you to somebody. And he introduces me to someone who... um, whose father owned parking lots, but just bought a record division (laughs) for some reason called Seven Arts. Mm -hmm. Seven Arts, I forget the other name. And then there were people down there. I went down, started writing songs for them. They recorded me and we put something out, okay? And it got me back into into the business. I graduated college, went to law school, after a year, I started getting off the D train from the Bronx at 7th Avenue, which is 7th Avenue and 53rd Street, mm-hmm. which you walk down, 49th was the Brill Building, 1650 was 51st Street. And um, I started writing songs. I was introduced to somebody who would send me to different places to play songs for people, and I would go and play them for them. And one time while I was um, visiting this publisher that was sending me out on assignments, um, there were two other guys sitting there as well. 
And we were waiting and we were waiting and we were waiting. And nobody, nobody showed up to, oh no, he's busy now. He's busy. Eh, how with this? Do you write? What do you do? What do you do? Hey, I know it is a piano. Let's go write a song. And that was uh, Bob Feldman and Jerry Goldstein. And Bob and Jerry and I formed something called FGG Productions. Mm -hmm. And we got signed to a, um, a publishing house, Roosevelt Music, where we wrote songs on assignment. We wrote songs for people. Uh, we learned to make demos. That's how we learned to do everything. Mm -hmm. And um, eventually, we left there, went to work for the beginning. And here's Sony. Boy, they come around all the time in this story. <laughs> um, CBS, mm -hmm. April Blackwood. We were the first songwriters signed to April Blackwood Music. And we write a bunch of songs. And it's all on one contract. One of the songs was called My Boyfriend's Back. Mm -hmm. Well, by that time, we already knew how to produce. Well, the publisher wanted to give it, try to give it to a group, the Shirelles. Which, okay, I could understand it. They were huge at the time. We said no. We left our job there where we were getting $75 a week each and an office. That was a lot of money in 1963. Mm -hmm. left it, opened up, poor ourselves, made the record ourselves. And um, in 1650 Broadway, passed it around, met people, and made a deal with Smash Records. And record came out, four weeks later, it was number one. That was it. And we were off and running as producers. We'll be right back with Strictly Business. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. TIKA.com. Welcome back to Variety Strictly Business with Richard Goddard. Can you describe 
what the atmosphere was like at the Brill Building at that time. It's legendary, you know, yeah. they're, they're all sort of cliched stories we've heard. What was it actually like? And was it in the Brill Building or was it usually across the street at 1650, I think you said? It was both. It was okay. in the Brill Building. It was in 1650 Broadway, which was in the middle of the block between 7th Avenue and Broadway mm. on 51st Street. And there were companies on 1697 Broadway, which is now where David Letterman was. Ed Sullivan Theater was. Yeah, yeah. So, um, um, yeah, what it was like, if you were a songwriter and not affiliated with a publisher, you could write your songs and you could walk through the buildings and knock on doors and say, I got a song for this. And, and independent publishers would listen to it, you know, and if they liked it, they'd give you like a 50 buck advance and take an option for six months to see if they could get an artist to record it. Because what it was like was the publishers had the relationship with the A&R men and in the bigger firms, like where we wound up at Roosevelt or April Blackwood, uh, or in the days of um, Nevins and Kirshner, Alden mm -hmm. Music, Don Kirshner and Al Nevin, who had this writing community, and we were part of that at Roosevelt, and artists would come in looking for songs. So if you had a hit record, they would say, oh, um, so-and-so is looking for... Uh, song and you would listen to the record and you would write something you felt would fit them. Mm -hmm. So as a songwriter, you were really honing your craft and uh, you could actually walk from place to place. If you were fortunate enough to be signed to a publishing company who paid you, you know, an advance every month, every, every week um, and gave you a small office or a keyboard to sit at five hours a day. Mm -hmm. So you would take a legal pad and you'd go in and you, you just write. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's, that's what it was. Was there a clear point where you left Sire Records and became an independent producer? Yeah. When was it? Uh, it was probably 76, 77. Mm -hmm. After we signed the Ramones, mm -hmm. the Ramones were fine. I mean, that came to us through, um, um, a guy that, I had found I was working for Sire, Craig Leon. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, Craig uh, found the Ramones, worked on that first record and stuff. And I guess I just was tired of it and wanted to get back into um, just producing and people paying me to produce. Mm -hmm. So um, I uh, I left, but I, I got involved. Marty Thau got me involved in, said, come down to CBGB's. Things are happening there. And that's where I uh, met Blondie, Robert Gordon, um, um, uh, Richard Hell, mm -hmm. and the Voidoids. But uh, uh, I started making um, records that were more to my feeling of uh, independence and roots. Did you record Heart of Glass with Blondie? Did you no. try it during this? They wouldn't was do it. They wouldn't Why? do it. It was there. It wasn't called Heart of Glass. They called it their disco song. Right. Yeah. I wanted to do it uh, badly. Uh, but truthfully, changing the lyric, calling it Heart of Glass, made a difference. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, 
Mike Chapman, you know, added the element that I might not have added. Mm-hmm. You know, he um, he was maybe a little more technical. Mm-hmm. I probably would have stuck with the drums without a click track or something, you know. Right. What was the lyric change? Oh, it wasn't called Heart of Glass. What was it called? Uh, it was called the Disco Song. And uh, was that a love? It turned out to be a pain in the ass. And when you go on further, uh, when I get involved with the Go-Go's, well, they, same they thing. Were a Do punk you want to know them? They were a punk group. Mm-hmm. But they already had 40,000 people that bought their punk version of, um, of um, we got the beat, mm-hmm. you know? Did, um, you, did you see the potential there to make them into more of a pop group? Because they were, they were genuine L.A. punks, all of them. I saw, if you were going to bother to get involved with me, you, have, you would have to have known that I knew how to make records and I cherished the songs. So how do you make a record um, getting the best out of a song so that people might be interested in it? Um, and that was all, really. So I would help them and say, you know, you ought to slow it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want I understand you. You play the instruments, but let me help you make what you play a little bit better. Kathy, when you, uh, and I talked to her about this, I said, you know, just listen to what the bass drum's doing. Play the exact same thing. I said, don't, don't go doom, 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 doom against it. Go doom, doom, doom. That's all. Do it with it so you have a bigger bottom. And then, uh, oh, you know, the guitars, um, Charlotte and Jane. I don't know. Let me get you a better guitar. You play a Strat and you play a Telecaster and the two of them will make a more interesting sound, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So, so putting that together, but they played every instrument. They might've resisted uh, a bit when I would change the beats or slow them down. And the truth is, that when we finally mixed the record, they went home. And I get a call from Miles, Miles Copeland, who I don't know if he, I can't remember if he threatened to kill me or beat me up <laughs> because, and, and he was a black belt karate. And, uh, you know, and he, he was managing them and he, and he had um, IRS records. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, he said, you took a punk group and you made them pop. I said, well, it's not really pop. Listen to pop music today. It's sort of a variation. And, you know, eventually they, they put it out. And uh, the girls uh, didn't speak to me for six months. They were like shattered because they were punk girls. And that was Strictly Business with Richard Goderer. Tune in next week for more from Variety Strictly Business. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.